Hey everybody, welcome to Atomic Radio Hour, episode 240. I'm incredibly tired this week. I've had such a week. I've had such a hard week. How are you doing? I hope you're well. You look just as good as always, baby girl. How you been? Got some things to talk about. I don't know why I don't have it saved here. Let me just double check my notes. Got some things to talk about. One of the first things I want to talk about, I want to just get right to the fallout stuff before I get to the fun stuff at the end. I want to talk a little bit about E3 and go back to game preservation again, like I was speaking about last week. But let's talk about Fallout. Let's talk about what the show is about. Ha! Ha! I love my wife! The Fallout show's wrapped for Amazon. Behind me will be the tweet. I'll read the tweet aloud to the class. I just put it away like a, like a, like a schmuck. Uh, this is from HunterWorld V2, at HunterWorld V2 on uh, the Twitter. It says, hashtag Fallout TV show's wrapped from you slash... Monsieur Millie, I'm assuming. I can't, I'm dyslexic, I'm sorry. On r slash FOTV. And then it says, that's a wrap on the Fallout, uh, on Fallout Season 1. Thanks so much to the hardest working crew. It's been a joy to work with you. And then it looks like they're giving away cookies or something to celebrate them. Chip City, baby! To give to celebrate these, uh, the show wrapping. That means the show's finished. I'll let you know this right now. The Last of Us TV show so far, so far, is the greatest show that I've ever watched that's an adaptation of a video game. It's the greatest video game adaptation of anything ever. And I'm including Sonic in that. I said of anything ever. I know what I said. Haha. And I'm not talking about shit that was a book and then a game. I'm talking about a game and then turned into something else. And if the show has any of the staying power that The Last of Us has, if it has any of the directing, if it has any of the writing, any of the sound design, then we're in for one hell of a show. The only thing is I hope, you know, I hope we don't butcher lore. I hope we don't say, hey, everybody who's a fan right now that's an active member of a community is a 76er. And you know what that means? They don't know who the master is, and they think that Maxon went all the way east. So I just hope it turns out to be a good thing. I I I'm I feel like there's so little to talk about. It's the only I'm gonna buy an Amazon subscription. I'm gonna see if I can maybe borrow one from somebody because I don't want to give Amazon money. I was thinking it's really funny how I mean I've probably said this before. The company, there. I'm sorry. Excuse me. The series started off as a critique of capitalism and how human greed is going to be the death of us all as a show being made on the one of the greediest companies' platforms ever. Amazon is one of the biggest employers worldwide, if not at least in the U.S. I know that to be certain. It's Amazon and then it's uh, Walmart. But it's coming. It'll be here sooner than you know it. So I hope you guys are excited. hope you guys are ready. Maybe Kyle and I will do another Kyle and Vince likes type John. John? John. John. I put Deal and John together. John. Another uh, Jimmy Johannesburg. Another Johnson. Like that. Maybe we'll do that for the Fallout Show. I'd like to. I know there's a Fallout Show po- podcast. But hey. Oh. What do you say? What do you know? There's enough room for two big dogs in this sphere. Speaking of Kyle and Vince Likes, go check, go check out the YouTube channel. If you're watching on YouTube, I love you. If you're listening to this on any sort of a social media or social media, on any sort of podcatcher, 
check out the YouTube channel. I post other stuff there. I've been meaning to post tons of lore stuff that I just haven't done yet. Uh, but there's lore videos there. There's other videos there. I don't make them as much as I want to. I upload streams there whenever I do stream, if I feel like they're worthy to be uploaded. I just have fun. I just, just, you know, it's a channel dedicated to having a good time. So check it out if you get a chance. So this show is entirely fan funded. Uh, any support that I get is through Patreon. I don't really like the word fan, listener supported, brought to you by viewers like you. Thank you. And I hope you guys are well. So I need to thank the Patreon real quick. I thought the Fallout show stuff would have been a little longer, but then again, like I've been saying, every time I get a little bit, a little piece of news about it, it just turns out to me saying that I'm excited. And boy, oh boy, am I excited. But I have to thank the Patreon, because if you guys, the show continues to get bigger and to get better. And because of you, the show continues. And I love you with my entire heart and soul. Starting from the top, I have to thank the OG Noah. Thank you to Noah. After Noah, I have to thank Danny. Thank you, Danny. After Danny, I have to thank Marcus. Thank you, Marcus. After Marcus, I have to thank TP. Thank you to TP. And after TP, I have to thank Mello Millhouse. Like I said, the show is entirely funded by listeners and audience quite like yourself. If you like the show, consider throwing a little, uh, a little, little bit of cutter my way. If you want to see you get a little bit bigger a little bit better and i love you and i thank you and you just you know even if you just want to say hey this is my this is a podcast i listen to and just share it with a friend anything it helps it helps so episode 240 this has been a week man just a fucking week and i put in the discord hey hey guys guess who has bad time management skills i do Real bad time management skills. So I thought, you know what? I put it in there. No one really got back to me. No one got back to me. Not that anyone really didn't get back to me. No one got back to me. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to pick one. I wanted to do a location. I want to do something that I thought would be fun. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, I've been putting, I've been trying. I'm not saying every episode, but I've been trying to put some footage behind me of gameplay, gameplay footage. Someone on YouTube said that I should keep doing, I should do that. And I was like, yeah, I probably should. Um, so I'm doing that now. So this one was, I thought I could, it would be fun. I could just capture something nice so if you want to hear any lore and i mean any lore whatsoever from the fallout series make sure you're in the discord or you're subscribed on youtube because uh once a week i'll ask a question in the discord and the first person that gets it that gets it right gets to pick lore for the week or someone who puts a comment on a youtube video write it down if it's a slow discord week that'll get chosen and uh, that'll be this week's lore. Now, like I said, I have poor time management skills. So this week's lore comes from myself. And it is on the glowing sea from Fallout 4. As of Fallout 4 and 2281, respectively, the in-game year that Fallout 4 takes place, the most irradiated area in all of the series, all of the, any wasteland inside of the Fallout universe is the glowing sea inside of the Commonwealth. It's the most radiated area because of a singular nuclear warhead. It's not a traditional sea. It's a sea more of an, an, an encompassing term, meaning an area in which is blanketed in radiation. The glowing sea. Things tend to glow once irradiated. It is the host of scorched lands, radioactive pods, charred trees, dilapidated and torn asunder cars, heaps of rubble, landslides, and the ever-illustrious sinkholes. The exact area of 
the glowing sea is the south end of the southern freeway that connects to the mass pike the mass pike which is the mass turnpike uh, and it is the ground zero for boston it is the area that is struck it's what I like about Fallout 4 so much is that in 3, you kind of get this idea that there's like, you can go to the White House and that's destroyed. You can go to several different spots and you can kind of get the feeling that, all right, bombs hit here. There's a crater here for some reason. It's incredibly irradiated. But I like that it's one massive bomb hits an area just outside of the city of Boston. And that's what you have. That's what you have. And that area becomes the most irradiated area. When I found the glowing sea in game, I remember just playing the story mode. When they say go to the glowing sea, the map opens up for you in that little area. And that was such a moment for me where I was like, oh shit, there's an extra eighth of a map that I just didn't see before that I now get to go explore. And I remember like finding all of the locations in that right away. There's not many, but still finding all of the locations in that just because I was like, this is a secret piece of the map. I had a friend at the time who actually knew about it before he played the game. And the first thing he did, he left the vault and went straight to the glowing sea. Now, because of the glowing sea, there's a lot of uh, the glowing sea doesn't make sense from a realistic, our real world understanding of how radiation works radiation dissipates quickly it has a half-life especially in this sense with the type of bombs that were dropped in the fall universe the half-life is is very it's it's not very short because you know 10 years isn't a short amount of time it's all relative but it's not 200 years later it would still be that irradiated that being said, I think it's super dope that rad storms exist because of the 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 glowing sea itself. When weather passes through, it has a chance to become a rad storm and then make the weather itself irradiated and pass that through. Now, despite being a literal wasteland, like a wasteland in the most literal sense, life can still exist within the glowing sea, which I think is super interesting. Because I think it just speaks more to not just humans, but animals and just adaptation and how if something with a pulse is resilient and needs to eat and have sex enough, it will find a way just regardless. Like genes, genes are the, the hardest thing to kill. Genuinely, the hardest thing to take down is a, is a good set of chromosomes. Life can still exist here in the, there is the crater of atom which is where the bomb dropped. And there is the Church of the Children of Atom. Now, if you've played the Fallout games before, you probably know. A cult that worships radiation itself. They believe in the Great Divide, and they believe in a big cleanse. Not things that I would say that I myself disagree with, but not only it's Fallout, so you know we're going to get some irradiated creatures of various sizes. So what you can find in there, inside of the Glowing Sea, is... Deathclaws, rad scorpions, bloatflies, blood bugs, stingwings, ghouls, and mole rats. Pretty much everything you can find, not in the glowing sea, but a little more dangerous. Also, because it is a sea, a metaphorical sea of radiation, it gives off 10 rads a second, opposed to the 3 rads a second that you... 1 to 3 rads a second that you can usually accrue in the regular schmegular wasteland. Because of this, because of it being destroyed and all of the buildings being dilapidated, torn down, there's just giant heaps of rubble. Because of all of this, there's almost no food, there's no water, there's no medicine, there's almost no ammo whatsoever. What's there is there and it's not much. It's one of these areas that the only thing I really feel I could cleanse at this point in time is a gek. Uh, if you got a geck there and you set up shop, it could cleanse the area. But other than that, you're kind of screwed. 
Now I get all of my lore off of fallout.fandom.com, the Nukapedia, if you will. And just a few things I have for you here on my telephone, my cell phone telephone, I would like to uh, share with you real quick. The Glowing Sea itself is an area that you'll visit for main quests. Uh, just quests in general, a loose end, hunter versus hunted, liberty reprimed, the glowing sea, the molecular level, and Virgil's cure. Some of the locations you could find, the Atlantic offices, the capsized factory, some caves, the crater of Adam, the decayed reactor site, uh, the edge of the glowing sea itself, forgotten church. I remember the forgotten church. I like the forgotten church a lot. The O'Neill family manufacturing. Uh, there's a red rocket in the glowing sea. Skylines. I remember sky. I remember this one a lot. Skylines flights. Uh, 1665. A wrecked plane, which I really enjoyed the idea of. Like bombs are going down, EMPs are going off, bo- planes are falling out of the sky because that's just what would happen. I think it's 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 interesting. There's some uh, astounding tales. Some Tesla science magazines. U.S. covert ops. Two Gauss rifles. Uh, Virgil's rifle, which I don't think I have in my game. Bunch of other fun stuff. It only appears in Fallout 4. There's not even on the wiki any sort of fun facts for it. It's just an area that I, I remember fondly. I remember finding it and being like, this is really dope. Like, this doesn't have to be here. And it's here. Like, it, it's, it's the idea of like, I can go visit the spot where, it, where the bomb fell. Like I said before, in Fallout 3, you can go to the Capitol building, you can go to the White House and see, oh, this is where the bombs fell. And it's just a massive crater. And if I remember correctly, it's not just one big crater. It looks like several craters and you get a radiated tell instantly. But it's just one of those things that it's like, how would radiation affect things in the long term outside of mutation? One of my, one of my favorite things I've ever heard about radiation is radiation doesn't kill you just kill you it kills you and the next four generations because of how it mutates your dna and to see that happen physically to have like a physical representation of what that would feel like what that would seem like what that would be like in these games always made me smile i have fond memories of the uh real fond memories of the glowing sea i really do enjoy it it's really all i have for you on the lore this week so that my friends is this week's lore so there's something i want to talk about i don't hide the fact that video games don't feel the same anymore and we're going to talk about that in we're going to talk about that in the next uh the next thing i want to talk about there's essentially like a segment four this is segment three welcome if video games don't feel the same to me as they used to when i was but a boy and the one thing that i always get excited for every year no matter how checked out on video games i am is e3 and i'm incredibly excited for e3 as i am every year and i knew it i know a new year comes around it's only a few months before we start hearing the rumblings of what an e3 could bring for us until papa my very good friend kyle hits me with a hey no one's at e3 this year just no one's going to be there Microsoft said they're not going to be there. Sony said they're not going to be there. Nintendo said they're not going to be there. Now, uh, he gave me this news a little while ago, probably about a week ago at this point. So this could be old news. Some of this could have changed. But as far as I know, no one's going to be there. And it comes down to, do we really need E3 at this point? And to me, yes. But I'm saying yes because of tradition. Do we we honestly need it? No. Who's going to be there? Ubisoft? Activision? Activision's under Microsoft now, kind of, sort of. 
I haven't talked about that either because I don't really know what's going on. And it's just a lot. Activision might not get acquired by Microsoft. It's a whole thing. So who's who's really going to be there? Like what's going to be shown off? And it comes down to this idea that I've spoken about last episode and I've kind of been thinking about a lot recently is just like games just don't feel like games anymore because they just feel like services which i know is kind of redundant because of that's maybe not redundant but i know that's kind of obvious because that's the way games are just going is they're becoming services the other day i was talking to a friend about game boy advance games and i was saying how i never really liked the game boy and in my mind the game boy went all the way up into the 3ds 2ds whatever like those were game boys to me i'll call them game boys till i die and I was like, yeah, even the DS to me was a Game Boy. I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't really like any DS games. And I, and they're like, why? And I was like, to be honest, I don't really know. I think it might just be the graphics. Like, I feel like you could do so much more create creatively with 16 bit. Your mind still has a little bit of room to, uh, to play around. Like you have to envision some stuff your own in your own way. The same way I feel like people that are two generations older than me or, or an amount of years older than me can play an Atari. And to them, it's still the funnest shit ever because of them having to kind of put the pieces together in their mind when they were kids, if that makes sense. And I get that. I kind of feel like that's maybe where the Game Boy is. I put a lot of hours into my Game Boy and I was thinking about I wanted to stream Game Boy games um, because I just think they'd be fun to go back and play. And I don't really have to dedicate, you know, you, you could play an entire Game Boy game in three hours. They're not big games. They were coming out 20, 30 bucks. So I was talking about, and Kyle hit me with Game Boy Advance, Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games coming to the Switch's online service, and they're bringing Kirby in the four mirrors, the one where there's pink Kirby, green Kirby, blue Kirby, yellow Kirby, whatever. That one I loved. I always loved Kirby games on the Game Boy as a kid, and I've never, I haven't played any of the new Kirby games, which I have to, but. I love those games. And I was like, oh shit, Four Swords is coming out. And my next thought, because I'm a collector, was I wonder how much one of those sealed is. And then I was sitting there talking to my friend at work about how many different uh, Game Boy games that I really liked as a kid and how many how much time I put into them. And I sat there and I thought to myself, what was that Astro Boy game that I really liked? Because if you haven't seen these Astro Boy, Astro Boy boots that are going around by this company called Mischief, they're really cool, but they're stupid expensive. And I was like, I really like that Astro Boy game. What the hell was it called? So I, we're sitting there, we're talking about it, and I looked up Astro Boy GBA, and the thing that came up was uh, Astro, Boy, Astro Boy Omega. And I was like, all right, cool, maybe I'll buy one because I still have a, a Game Boy player from my old GameCube. How much could it be? $70. Why? Just I, I get it. Was it a limited print? Here's the thing. My rental store, I remember renting it from because I saw – on Adult Swim as a kid, Astro Boy, be it the, the original version from the 50s or the 60s, the black and white one, maybe even the 40s? I think it's the 50s. Or the one from the 80s. I've always liked Astro Boy. I like the designs of it. I I, I think it's cool that he's a nuclear-powered robot child. Haven't seen the uh, the movie from like 10 years ago. My brother really liked it. I've seen parts of it. But like, I've always liked Astro Boy. And I remember the game slapped. I remember, if I remember correctly, you like get to the end of the game and it like restarts. It's like a new game plus type deal. And I was like, oh, I really want to play this, but $70. Breath of the Wild being $70, the, the Breath of the Wild 2 being $70 to me is outrageous. It's the same, it's a Zelda game. 
they're all the same until the new one comes out that, oh man, this one's nothing like the last one. And I will give you that Breath of the Wild is a completely new game in, in the Zelda series. It's very different from everything else we've had. I get that. But like, you kind of know what's going to happen, do you not? Like, a $70, a $70 game that came out 30, 20, 30 years ago, or a $70 game that came out yesterday, or it's coming out in a few months, or coming out in a year or two. We've hit this point where it's just, I was very anti-emulation. I was very much buy a game. You want a game, buy a game. And I'm just kind of hitting the point where it's not responsible. Like monetarily, it is not responsible to play games in, in certain regards. It is not monetarily responsible to say, hey, fuck it. I'm going to buy a $70 Game Boy Advance game. Game Boy Advance games, I think, came out at 35 40 maybe 50 bucks. I don't remember buying Game Boy Advance games, which is the funny thing. I just remember having them. I don't remember, like, taking them out of the packaging. None of that. I only remember that with Super Mario 2. There was, like, the, the GBA version of it that I, I have that. I remember being in a McDonald's and, like, opening the packaging. And my mom was like, God, can you imagine? Do you see how small these cartridges are? And I was like, I guess. Like I knew anything about cartridges is that I think if you emulate a game in Minecraft, it's, it's, it's okay at this point. Games like Melee are a hundred bucks because they're locked to the GameCube. And if I wanted to play it just to have some fun with some friends, I'm not going to spend a hundred bucks. Like I, I'm not going to take out a loan to buy a game to play it, And then I got to spend a hundred something dollars on a GameCube especially with PS2, like, um, Marvel vs. Capcom is a $120 game because the licenses for all those characters are all over the place. Like, we're never going to get a remake remaster of that game. And if we do, it'll be incredibly butchered. But we have them and they're there. And sometimes there's ROMs of it on PC. And again, I'm not saying to do it unless it's in Minecraft. Just be safe. One last thing I want to talk to before we get out of here. I wasn't even going to bring this up, but I only brought it up because Kyle and I had a conversation about this. If you like something, you're allowed to like it. And if you don't like something, you're allowed to not like it. But you're not allowed to let how you feel about something impede other people from liking something. What I'm getting at is... The new Harry Potter game, the, the the Hogwarts Wizard School or whatever it's called, Harry Potter Legacy, I think it's, I think it's called, which doesn't even make sense to be called Harry Potter Legacy because it takes place like 200 years before Harry Potter is born anyway. I don't like Harry Potter. For full disclosure, I don't like Harry Potter. I, I watched the first two movies in theaters. Uh, I used to hang out at a Harry Potter themed cafe. Never liked Harry Potter. Never did anything for me. I had a friend who said that every kid went through a twilight phase and I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, you either loved it or hated it. And I said, no, I was very indifferent when it came to books, to movies like that. Hunger Games did not care. Just it exists. If you like it, you're allowed to like it. If you don't like it, you're allowed to not like it. There is a group of people that boycott Harry Potter because of JK Rowling's statements on trans people. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend to know what she said about trans people or why what she said about trans people is offensive. I don't like Harry Potter because I don't like Harry Potter, not because of the views of the creator. And I understand that what the creator said can, could be considered hurtful to some people. Again, not going to sit here and pretend like I know what she said or how it affects people. 
But from what I understand, what she said could be hurtful. I understand this. But I believe there's also the death of the artist. Art and artistry. I love Woody Allen's movies. Woody Allen is one of my favorite directors, one of my favorite uh, writers. It's like him and Tarantino are up there. I think Woody Allen writes dialogue in a very funny way, a very unique way. I think The Purple Rose of Cairo is such a – it's just a goddamn perfect movie, like almost. Okay? You following me? I don't buy Woody Allen stuff. I'll buy it used because he's already made the money off of it and I'm giving someone else the money. That's not him. He won't see a dime if I buy a used DVD for $4. But when he dies, I'll buy new shit again. I'll buy new shit right away. There's been a group of people who have been harassing people who like this new Harry Potter game, which is not okay. It's not cool. I, I'm also of the belief that if you like something, you just kind of are open to ridicule. Like you have to just admit that your 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 like your interests are dumb. Like I'm not saying that they are, but like you I work with someone who's a juggalo, and for those who don't know, is a fan of the insane clown posse. And we I'll just make fun of them to their face about it, and they just kind of go with it because they see how silly it is. If someone made fun of me for liking Fallout, I'd be like, Yeah, I I get your critiques. I understand them because I'm a fan. I don't agree with them because I like the series, but I get where you're coming from. I understand. You're allowed to not like what I like, but I'm also allowed to like what I like. But for you to go out of your way to impede other people to play these games, that's not cool. And I, and I doubt anybody listening to this is doing that. And I understand the people that are saying they're boycotting the game because of its creator. I understand that. But as far as I know, she's not doing any of the writing, which doesn't make it right because she's going to make money off of the name itself. But there's a website called Did They Stream the Wizard Game? So they're not even saying the name. They're not even saying Harry Potter or the name of the game itself, which is really funny because there's this uh, shit. What is it called? Fuck. I can't think of it. It's this It's this fiction series is this book this fiction book this fictional book it's a series of a bunch of and these kids i fucking i wish i could remember it where they don't say the bad guy's name and it just reminds me of that and i and i don't think they see the irony in that and when kyle and i were talking about this kyle was very much of like the just let people play what they want to play and i'm with you just play what you want to play but like, give it two weeks, give it three weeks. No one's going to be talking about this anymore. No one's going to be talking about this game until it's at the video game awards at the end of the year and is up for an award or multiple awards or what have you. I don't know anything about the game. I have no interest in playing it. I think it's, I think it's interesting to see all the backlash and the ridicule and the runaround that it's getting from everyone else. But I don't really like get why you would let a silly little wizard thing. Like, are you boycotting? universal pictures because universal not only owns the rights to these films and is making money on these films but they have a like a harry potter interactive interactive experience so are you boycotting that as well are you trying to get that shut down or has just enough time passed where you're not you don't care about it anymore so i wonder what you guys think in the comments below please let me know because i'm genuinely curious like i said i i'm not really on anybody's side here. I understand both sides argument as much as I really can without like doing the research into it. I just think it's, this is like, it seems so silly and petty because it's like how many people that don't play video games are upset about this. That's my thing too. 
I understand being upset, but if you don't exist in a sphere, and how many copies? How many copies really is going to sell? A million, two million, like if that. I don't know. I want to know what you guys think, though. So leave a comment. That's pretty much everything I have for you today, my friends. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to share it with a friend. Shoot me a like. Shoot me a sub. Uh, in the description, again, thank you to the Patreon. There is a link to the Patreon down there, as well as the Redbubble, to help support in a very smaller, a very small monetary way. There's also a link to my Twitter, the show's Twitter, Kyle's Twitter, the Discord. Make sure in the Discord so you can hear whatever, one, whatever kind of lore you want to hear. Oh my goodness gracious. I totally forgot about the way I always do this. If you like the intro music, it's by the one and only Shane Ivers. SilvermanSounds.com slash free music for all of his heaters. But our intro song is called Feather Uster. SilvermanSounds.com slash free music for that heater. I love you very much, and I'll be seeing you all next week for episode 241. Be good to yourselves. The Super Bowl is a Sunday, I just realized. I hope your team lost. Ha ha! Eat some chicken wing. Ha ha! Bye! Atomic Radio Hour Podcast. A Gulman Entertainment Production.